Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful. And for the faithful, I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. You're sounding a little worse for wear tonight. Yeah, I've just slept about... I slept about 24 hours in a row before that game. I've got a wicked wow. cold. <clears throat> but uh, feeling a little better after the 24-hour sleep. And after um, that great game from Mike Smith, like what a game from Mike Smith. He's the story of the game. I mean, how often, Bruce, and you're going to get to this in your good thing, so sorry for stealing a little of your thunder here. But Go for it. <clears throat> how often do you see, see a goalie make all the key defensive plays, or most of them, and then all the, the key offensive play in a game? pretty rare pretty rare stuff good for mike smith just when you know we were all down on him and including me you, I, you could say I even led the charge if you want um and uh he came up with a game like that too bad the man is not healthy because he is a smart hockey player a great hockey player but he's not healthy and his leg was hurting tonight Anyway, he got the job done in a two to one victory over the San Jose Sharks. The grade A shots were fourteen to ten for the Sharks over the Oilers, and the five alarm shots were seven six for the Sharks over the Oilers. Bruce, I'll start it off with my good thing. <clears throat> and um this game it looked like San Jose was gonna win it after scoring one goal. The Oilers could muster very little um, all through the game. They just um, were not able to create much on the attack until um, suddenly in the third period, uh, we get uh, this incredible play, which is, um, I'm just uh, calling it up here. It's not marked. What happened on our game? It seems to have disappeared off our, Score sheet. That's odd. There's a anyway. I'm looking at our document we tr- where we track the grade A shots and it's not there. It got eliminated somehow. Deleted. Oh, there it is. Okay, I put it back. So at 8:04 of the third period, and again the Oilers had they hadn't mustered Brewster behind one nothing. They had not had one grade A shot that entire third period until that moment. You know, they're trying to, they're supposedly putting the pressure on. They only had two grade A shots in the entire second period. <clears throat> and then uh, Darnell Nurse, who has been trying to force things all game, honestly, and making a lot of bad defensive reads, getting caught on two-on-ones most of the game. A lot of iffy plays by Darnell through the game. Uh, he makes a great stretch pass. And then Nugent Hopkins makes an even better play in the center ice area where he um, wins the puck. I'm not sure who the defenseman was, but he seals off the defenseman from the puck in the center ice zone and he, and he bursts in two-on-one, gets behind his, his defender and gets in two-on-one. He then takes a shot, uh, which is blocked, and and uh, it's Nurse who then has charged up the ice, again trying to force the play, and this time it pays off. Because it's the biggest play. It, it really probably was the biggest play of the game. He he charges in and he gets it over to Hyman. Hyman puts a cross-ice dart to Nuge, who slams it in the net, and it's 1-1. An absolutely crucial, huge goal that uh, rests, um, helps rest victory out of the jaws of defeat. 
great play by Donald Nurse, Hyman, and Nugent Hopkins. That was my good thing. Yeah, that was a, a huge thing. The Oilers were going absolutely flat nowhere at five on five in this game. And they the whole third period, it was just melting away. The whistles weren't blowing. There weren't any shots. There was nothing happening on the, uh, you know, on, uh, on the play-by-play um, uh, -play sheet. It was just sort of up and down and up and down, tick, 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 tick. And I'm thinking one nothing, one nothing. <laughs> Me too. Fix auto, you know, and it was uh, uh, out of the blue that, you know, they got a, um, San Jose gets a power play and this is bad to worse. And then what do you know? But that's the time that the orders actually find a way to strike. And Puck really, it didn't settle down much for him. I mean, first nurse fired a very good pass up the, off the boards and up into the middle. And then Nuge won that battle in the center of the ice. And that sort of created the odd man situation. But it would have gone nowhere had Nurse not followed all the way up from deep in Oilers territory to join. And he just kind of chopped at it, but he was able to, to keep the play alive and he batted it over to Hyman and he was able to keep it alive and he batted it over to Nugent Hopkins and he was able to bat it into the net. It never felt like the puck was ever settled. They were just kind of whacking at it. And they successfully whacked it three times in a row and it wound up in the net finally. After 50-odd minutes of waiting, holy. They weren't just playing the trap, Bruce. They were playing the moat. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what a passive-aggressive way to play hockey. It's evidently effective. I guess Tampa uses the strategy, and they've won the last two Stanley Cups. But, man, the moat is a, it's kind of a hideous defensive formation. Three guys in... Yeah. Three guys along the blue line, and then, you know, two kind of in the middle of the ice in the neutral zone. Uh yeah, anyway, well, Tampa, it worked. Tampa, Tampa won the Stanley Cup, <coughs> a two nothing win in the last game uh, in the bubble here in Edmonton, and then with a one nothing win in the last game in uh, Tampa last year. So you could say it worked. Yeah. Also, saw those games were barely fit to watch, but I guess that's uh, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. When you win the cup, you probably don't really much care. I didn't watch them honestly. I didn't watch those games. Um, <laughs> Once the orders are out of the playoffs now, I've kinda, I kind of lose all interest, if I'm completely honest. I have not uh, missed the cup-pinching game since, well, 1962 was the last one I didn't watch because I was, wasn't old enough to be up late enough to watch it. When I was a kid, I watched the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball. I don't watch any of it anymore. College basketball. Right. Oh, yeah, most of that stuff is... I just do not watch any of it. I watch Oilers hockey. That is it. Uh, Bruce, what's your good thing? Well, I'm going to go with uh, Mike Smith, uh, the uh, veteran cage cop for the Oilers, uh, 40 years old, and uh, um, playing his third start in five days, and clearly he's uh, just keeping it together with duct tape and bathing wire, you know, he's... Uh, <laughs> He's constantly seems to be tweaking or favoring one or one limb or another, uh, with you know some awkward stretch or other lunge. Uh, he is anything but a pretty goaltender, um, but he was in the right places at the right times to make the saves tonight. Thirty-two shots, the Sharks outshot the Oilers thirty-two twenty-four, as you said, fourteen ten in Grade A shots, and uh, the five alarms seven Smith. Stopped seven out of seven. Maybe one of them hit the post. Um, 
but he had the answers for all those, uh, including several, as in four five-alarm shots in the last two minutes of regulation, which we're going to talk about also. Uh, it does not belong under the good thing category. Let's put it that way. Oh, and, but the good thing was that Smith had their backs and somehow he was able to keep those pucks out uh, and down the stretch because getting getting two overtime was critical. They had to get something out of this game, especially after they tied it up. And then uh, uh after all the saves in overtime, he made a nice snag of a, of a shot by, uh, uh, was it the uh, uh, Timo Meyer probably? Let fly or was it uh, Burns? Burns let fly from the high from slot. The point? The trailer, yeah. And he came into top of the circle. And Smith snagged that and realized that Connor McDavid was behind everybody. All he had to do was dropped and chipped the puck out, and he executed it perfectly. He could not have put that puck on a tee out in center ice better <clears throat> than the time and place that he put it for McDavid to race onto it without ever slowing down and without giving Burns any chance to catch him from behind. And uh, uh, it was the beautiful, rare stretch pass from the goalie for, <clears throat> for a clear-cut breakaway uh, in overtime. And I'm probably thinking maybe the... Uh, the best assist ever recorded by a 40-year-old goalie in overtime in, in NHL. <laughs> well, his competition includes Jacques Plante. <laughs> yeah, but well, then uh, they're a bit overtime in the playoffs there, Bruce. So you never uh, know. Well, maybe. Yeah. Never know. Uh, that was an incredible play by Mike Smith. Oh. He's just, you know, so on the ball. And, uh, and the a- celebration was just. Golden McDavid got into the corner and was staring all the way down the ice and pointed to the guy who made the pass and they came out for this big group hug at the Oilers blue line and you got you, you got to like it I mean that's the sort of thing where you see the spirit of the team being built where here is a game where they had a lot of adversity in that game they didn't even play particularly well in that game and yet they still found some way to make the big <clears> play at the end of the game to win it and this after Smith had made several big plays in the dying minutes to not lose it. So he's uh, he's uh, my good thing with the bullet. And they love they love Mike Smith, those players. They, I, they do, I think. You know, I think he's a huge part of that team, which is why I think he's still on the team at this point as much as anything. Yeah, the, his injuries, like he was shaking his leg and you, you're oh, talking man. about bailing wire and duct tape. I don't, I think it was TD Force came out there and I also think I saw red green with duct tape out there helping Mike Smith. Uh, yeah, he's got more duct tape than the average Canadian canoe. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's hanging in there though. That was a heck of a game, Bruce, from, from him. Okay, my bad thing. It's just, um, I'm going to go Howie Meeker on you here. It's kind of a smaller thing. Although it, it's only a smaller thing because it didn't end in disaster, but Good it's enough. kind of a, some fundamental plays that didn't happen. And it was right after the Oilers had scored their tying goal. It was a fantastic play. And there was a letdown. There was a letdown. Duncan Keith gets the puck, and he, he makes a decent play. He just fires it around the boards to Evan Bouchard. And all Evan Bouchard has to be doing is is be against the boards you know, it's a fundamental play. Be against the boards with your skate against the boards, facing forward. Mm-hmm. So when you get the puck, it, either you get it on your stick or off off your skates, and you pass it forward. I don't know what he was doing. He was just he was kind of floating around, 
floating around and the puck goes right by him. There was no reason behind him. And there was no reason for that to happen. If he just made the simple fundamental play of being against the boards and he wasn't there and it goes right to, I can't remember. Oh, um, the immortal Matt Nieto who, who whips it into the slot to Nick Benino, who then makes a nice move on Smith and puts it off the goalpost or crossbar. Smith made actually a really good save. Like he didn't save the play, but because he stretched out so far, it made Benino. Now, after the second fundamental mistake, though, was after Duncan Keith made his pass, he watched his pass. So instead of you make the pass, it's going to the other side, skate to the middle of the ice, skate to in front of the net. That's the other fundamental play you should make as a defenseman. And he didn't make that. So just two basic plays. You know, Keith's was a little, it was more of a bang-bang play at that point. It was, I, I blame him less than Bouchard. Mm-hmm. Both of them have to do better, in particular Evan Bouchard, who who otherwise was, you know, had a, he got beat on one breakaway. But Bouchard was okay in the game. Um, but those two plays, I mean, it's hard to get past them, like getting beat on a, you know, beat wide on a breakaway chance and, and uh, allowing that incredible five-alarm scoring chance shot right after your team has tied it up 1-1. Could have easily been 2-1 San Jose and you lose because you made that fundamental error. And it was I, f- I found it very frustrating, as you might be able to tell. Yeah, it was odd that he didn't try and get <clears throat> a stick back there either. Like the pass came around the boards hard and he, it was like he didn't try for it. Like his skates weren't there and he didn't like swing and try and get a stick on it. And the guy took the puck and he just walked out of the out of the corner. And uh, without much uh, harassment from uh, Mr. Bouchard. Yeah, well, Evan Bouchard is, you know, he's an interesting player. I noticed by the, I was looking at the on-ice numbers, and he's got pretty good on-ice numbers, you know, which a lot of people put a lot of weight in. Um, He's got good on-ice numbers. He also has, the way we rate the game, Bruce, with grade-A shots for and against, he's actually doing fairly well this year. He's... He's giving up a lot, but he's creating more than any Oilers defenseman we've seen since we started tracking this. He really creates a lot of the attack. His passing is superb. He's got to get better on defense, though. He just has to. And, you know, he's a rookie in the NHL. He probably will. He's he's playing in the top four. Are they Mm -hmm. playing in the top four or has uh, Kulak and Barry moved ahead of him? Uh, Bouchard played 21-14 tonight, and he led the team in even strength ice time at 19:41. He and Keith were one-two uh, uh, at even strength tonight on the team. Had a nurse, had a CC, had of everybody. Oh, there you go. And what did Kulak? Kulak 16:05, and uh, Barry 18:15. Nurse, nurse had a few times <clears throat> more overall because he played bunch of time on the penalty kill more than anybody else yeah okay so he played a lot and he's he was in tougher situations i i thought kulak and barry were easily the best defense pairing they kept a clean sheet between them they didn't make one uh major mistake on a grade a shot against all game long they're really playing well um they've got really good chemistry of course you know it really makes a difference for defensemen whether they play bottom pairing or top four the second you're playing top four minutes Maybe not against a team like San Jose, but generally speaking, second year playing top four minutes, it's considerably more difficult. And when you move to the top pairing, it's even you know considerably more difficult than the second pairing. It just keeps getting harder. 
So for a player like, you know, Nurse, who typically plays the toughest and top minutes, you have to cut some slack in that regard because of it. But I'm liking what I see from Kulak and Barry. I wouldn't see be surprised to see them playing maybe some harder minutes as this goes along if they can continue to play so well. Uh, your bad thing, Bruce. Yeah, my bad thing is a secret <clears throat> plays kind of like the one you just described, but they all happen in like the last two minutes and a quarter of regulation. And this is a situation where, I mean, you talk about game management, and we talk about it, about the officials in game management, and we kind of spit it out. Uh, but your players need to need to manage the game. And when you're playing in a tie game, uh, as the clock is winding down, it is of utmost importance that you don't screw up more than anything else. You know, you can go for the goal if a great chance presents itself. But the problem is that a goal you give up in that situation in the last couple minutes of the game that almost certainly cost you the game is costing you essentially one and a half standings points because it's costing you one right away plus the 50% chance that you might have won in overtime. Whereas if you score late in regulation, uh, well, now you've got two points, but you already had one plus the 50% chance you're going to score in overtime. I mean, just the playing the playing the straight numbers, it's three times more costly to give up a winning goal in the last minutes of regulation than it's of value to the team that scores it. Just by the screwed up point system by the NHL that I rail against constantly because it sucks and because it's very poorly thought out. But what it means is that both teams really should, in a tie game, play ultra conservative in the last uh, last minutes of a, of a tie game. And Edmonton looked like they were trying to. And then... <laughs> anyway, the, 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 the chaos started with Evan Bouchard and the Oilers actually had a pretty good shift in San Jose zone. They had the pressure on. They were they were cycling. They weren't really getting shots. The puck went back <clears> out <throat> into the neutral zone to about Edmonton's blue line, and Bouchard went to retrieve it. And right in front of him, yes, Apolliard, we skated off on the line change. The other two guys were trying to come off on the line change because they'd been out there for 40 or 50 hard seconds. And Bouchard decides this is a good time to really surprise him with a dart on the counterattack. And he wheels and he fires a pass to nobody. And now it's icing. And not only is it icing, but two of the guys that have been out there for 50 seconds, they're not allowed to go off now. So now you've got a face off in your end, tired center, tired winger. And sure enough, lose the draw. Scramble ensues. Now, to his credit, Evan Bouchard made the defensive play to clear what looked like it might have been a certain goal. This was the play where Smith actually hurt himself by overcommitting to a shot that kind of went slid into the slot and Bouchard got a stick in there or else it was probably going in the net. So we'll credit him for that. Um, but it was a situation of his own making and it was just by poorly thinking through the, the, the situation. And then about 30 seconds later, Darnell Nurse, uh, I, I'm drinking milk because my ulcer, you know. <laughs> Darnell Nurse, he gets the puck inside <clears throat> his own blue line and he slowly, leisurely skates directly towards his own goalie with Timo Meyer, San Jose's like best player, right on his tail. And Darnell is la dee da, here he comes up. And then and Meyer just goes in and he rams a shot on net from like six feet out, right off a nurse's stick. What is he thinking? Like, 
if you're going to skate slow and cough the puck up, maybe at least take it into the corner or around to the boards or something rather than straight at your own goalie. Smith stopped that one. And then there was another shot that, that <laughs> uh, CeCe was, was burned on that we also called a great uh, uh, a five-alarm shot. And then in the last 30 seconds, there was one where uh, the puck came out to the right point. Evander Kane was slow getting over to cover the outside shot, so it got through. Duncan Keith was slow to cover, uh, what was that, Thomas Hurdle? That yeah, was right no, in front it of was the Couture, net. Logan Couture. Oh, no, it was Logan Couture. Oiler killer, Logan Couture. If this had gone in, David, I would have lost it. And he had two cracks at it. He got a free tip. And then a free rebound of the tip because Dunk Keith wasn't covering him. And and Logan Couture got credited with two shots, each of them from four feet in front of the Oilers' net in the last 30 seconds of a tie game. I mean, that is close to inexcusable. And somehow Smith got his knee down and made the save on the second one. And they were able to limp, literally, to overtime. But just the whole game management thing, that, that kind of stuff just makes me nuts like get your shit together <laughs> play you know play just do the simple stuff and do it right and pay attention to detail you've got to your playoff lives are at stake here and they got through that and then they got the win so hey it's all good right everybody's happy but i have a feeling that uh, uh the video room tomorrow might have a little bit of uh, a few of those clips of the plays that i just described and coaches a uh, little bit in guys' faces saying, what were you thinking? <laughs> All right. Yeah, it wasn't good. <laughs> Keith, Duncan oh. Keith on that one, that last one with Coach Jerry, he was kind of, he was kind of out playing the shot, but you got to block it then because, because when he didn't block it, Coach Jerry tipped it and then he got the rebound and that rebound was a really dangerous chance. Could have easily scored. I was sure it was going on. I'm, I'm, I'm still, I would say, better than 50% chance he puts that in if you give him another crack at it. Yeah, they almost scored on five alarm. They almost scored on the Californian, Bruce. The, Michi- the Michigan is that thing from Zegras, I guess. But I like the Californian is how, how that's the bread and butter of NHL teams, like the San Jose Sharks. The shot from the point that's tipped in or rebounded in. Um, Okay, let's move on to our numbers. I'm gonna. My number was gonna be zero for Zach Cassian's total hits this game. Zach Cassian's uh, total impact on this game. Yeah, but I'm gonna move to something more positive than that because it's okay. a win. And uh, since Jay Woodcroft took over, Bruce, mm-hmm. I just saw some people talking about this on Twitter, and I confirmed it myself by looking at the stats. <clears throat> the Oilers have the most points in the NHL. Wow. Um, not the not the highest points percentage, um, but they have the most. They're tied for the most points, thirty eight points in twenty seven games, uh, with Boston Bruins and Colorado Avalanche. They also have thirty eight points each. The highest points percentage is the Florida Panthers with thirty five points in twenty three games. But the Oilers are at a seven oh four winning clip since Jay Woodcroft took over. Um, they're one of the you know, they're one of the top five teams in the NHL right now since uh, Woodcroft took over with the Bruins, the Avalanche, the Flames, and the Panthers. So that's pretty good company. Oh, that's for sure. Kind of encouraging. Um, you know, we see the flaws with this team. But um, 
it's got a lot of strengths too. It's got a lot of strengths, and one of that is the ability to score goals. And they they got a couple goals tonight when they needed them. What's your number? I got Cat Stevens here <laughs> tonight. Anyway, uh, my number is <clears throat> is two. Uh, that's the number of goals that uh, Edmonton scored tonight. That's the number of points Edmonton runs out of dodge with after that game. Uh, and that is also two for second place, baby. Second place in the Pacific Division. Oilers pass Los Angeles Kings tonight. With a little help from their friends, Calgary Flames, who beat uh, L.A. in regulation last night in a nail-biter of a game. And now we have Edmonton with 87 points in 71 games, L.A. with 86 points in 72 games. And so you have uh, Edmonton with a game in hand and a one-point lead, but playing L.A. in their next game. So the next game gives them an opportunity to put a little space between them, or alternately it uh, closes things down again. And they are tied in games played with Vegas, but have a five-point bulge on them, with both teams having won their last five straight. So the playoff Ooh. race is really heating up when you when you see stuff like that. And uh, anyway, the uh, uh, that was not the uh, the prettiest of games, but um, you take those two points and run. All righty. I like it. It's all you needed. Yeah, it wasn't a game I wasn't expecting it, Bruce. I was not expecting the Oilers to uh, get those two points. It just felt like a loss to me. I wrote that in the early in the Very first period. Early, and I was I was taking the same thing. <laughs> yeah, just so lifeless, and um, you know they're missing Drysaddle, Mike Smith's in that Big time. Uh, <laughs> so I wasn't optimistic, but sometimes sometimes a goalie steals a game. Hasn't happened a ton for the Oilers this year. But um, it's happened a few times, and man, did they need it. You know, they just they go into the Kings game, and the Kings are a tough d- team, even with all their injuries. Like, even without Drew Doughty, their top D-man. They've got some good young defensemen on that team, some good young talent. And they're kind of a, you know, again, I was wondering how they were winning all year, and now I know they're a good team. And Anzi Kopitar is a fantastic two-way hockey player. I remember, the, like, the last game against the Oilers, he... He pulled one right off the goal line, stopping Drysaddle from scoring. And that's the kind of player he is. He really is a 200-foot player and if just will do whatever it takes to win. So they have players like that and that kind of leadership. So it's going to be tough with the Kings. Um, they they got two happens. of those guys. They got Kopitar and, the, and then they've got uh, Philip Denholm. <clears throat> yeah. And that's their one-two centers. And you'd be hard-pressed to find two better, uh, well, let's say, defensive centers or 200-foot centers, if you prefer, on any team in the league. Guys that are, you know, that accomplished on the defensive side of the puck. Uh, And so, potentially, kryptonite for the Oilers with their two big-gun offensive centers, I mean, are, are potentially an epic battle between the two teams should they meet in the playoffs with, you know, personal rivalries between those main guys. I wonder when Doughty's back. He's such a tough player. Yeah, he's out for a while, but I heard that he might be back for the playoffs if they make him was one thing I heard. But the injury reports, it used to be very precise. You know, they'd, they'd say so-and-so has got a 
bruised shoulder and he's out two to three weeks. And now it's like he's either playing the next game or he's not. And that's all the information they get. Yeah, upper body injury, week to week, indeterminate, yeah. Yeah, anyway, they do miss him. <clears throat> that guy, uh, Sean Dursey in particular, has caught my eye. I saw LA play. He's a good player. Chunks of four games last week. They played the Oilers, then they played Calgary, then they played Winnipeg on Hockey Night in Canada, and they played Calgary again. So all of the games were televised. So I got a taste of them, and I, I came away with a strong, positive impression of that team. Yeah. That, that they're really they're really fighting hard, and and uh, and they've they've got it going on. So they will be no pushover on Thursday or Saturday night or uh, Thursday night subsequent. Bjorn Fott looks like a good defenseman. Um, I can't remember who else they had there, but he and Dursey stood out for me, especially Dursey. Just really smart. What would you have given? I've got my game grades up. What would you have given Mike Smith, Bruce, in that game? In this game, a nine. I gave him a nine. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, he played a great game in net, as far as I'm concerned, and then absolutely a bonus point for that pass in overtime. Primary assist, stretch pass, breakaway to McDavid. I mean, that's almost worth two, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, no Mike Smith in this game, no two points. <laughs> that's exactly how I put a great game and a bonus grade for setting up McDavid's goal. So we are of like minds on this. Bruce, we'll, uh, we'll leave it there. Thanks for talking tonight. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.